All right, that's pretty cool to think about it. What, what we actually do is our church and 29 other churches around Atlanta have been invited to be a part of this care portal. And what we do is at the end of the service today, you should go out to a table. Becky Clanton is our champion for this, and she and Susan will be at that table. You can go by, and all you've got to do is provide an email. When you give us an email address, then what happens is you're a part of a network of people that when the Department of Family and Children's Services has a family in need or in crisis, sometimes it's something as small as a ride, other times they need food, at times they may need financial help, but it'll spell out precisely what the need are and whether you can be a part of meeting that. So you get an email with an opportunity, you don't have to take it, but you can be a part of that. And so what a great way to go, go along with everything else we do in our community to be able to serve our families even that much better. So when we end the service today, just drop back over into the lobby and you'll see the table for the care portal. You'll also see a table over when you go out to the right for Operation Christmas Child. We've committed to do 1,200 Operation Christmas Child boxes and also a packing party. And so the boxes have to be back the instructions or what to pack it with or they're with it. They have to be back on the 17th of September. And then on the 24th, we're going to be a part of a packing party that will actually take place here and involve folks from all of our local schools as they've helped us meet that 1200. So when you leave today, grab three or four block boxes and be a part of filling those up. We are specifically being a part of shipping boxes and the folks that are helping us, we're going to send them through Operation Christmas Child to some of the most difficult parts of the world where literally they have to go in there pretty secretive. So I'm encouraged that our church has taken on that kind of task. I also want to remind you on your way in today, you received a copy of the adult groups brochure, 40 something different groups you can select and hundreds of you have signed up for a group. My group will start the Wednesday night after Labor Day to study in Ephesians. So you'll have a great time with that. Uh, Jenny's group starts up uh, soon and hers is the gospel of Mark. And so just look inside of this. One of the groups I encourage you to consider is at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, Mark Stevenson is doing a group that literally is taking all of the social issues that we might run across Monday through Saturday and trying to work together in a collaborative effort with you to come up with, but this is what the Lord has to say about how we're to react to those. So make sure you're part of all those groups. We'll have a great time in them and they'll crank up the week of Labor Day. Today though, let's jump into this one thought of totality. I have never heard that word used so much as it was used Monday. You'd watch television and this guy is so intense. He was so excited because it would get to someplace out in Oregon. And he was like, we're into the last 30 seconds of countdown when we're going to be in totality. And then the, it would keep moving on around. You'd get somewhere in Idaho and he'd say, we're only two minutes away from totality. And they kept going all the way across the country and they kept saying totality. I've heard that more on Monday than ever in my lifetime. So I thought I just need to look up and see what does totality mean? So in Webster's, it says it's an aggregate amount, some whole, the quality or state of being total or wholeness or the phase of an eclipse during which is total state of total eclipse. Now, around Sugar Hill Church, you hear us use the phrase a lot, we believe the Bible's a big deal. And I believe that as absolutely true. From Genesis to maps, we believe that the Bible is God's instruction manual for our life. We really do believe that when we take that seriously and we put scripture into our life, our life changes from the inside out. This is one of the reasons why tomorrow we invite you to join us for another 21 days of daily aha, to let scripture get into your life. It's another reason why we do those five minute a day, uh, five days a week, 
podcast. We want to let scripture come alive in your life because here's what I know. When we allow scripture to saturate our soul, to soften our heart, then it'll inevitably allow it to change us. Our, our literal DNA and how we serve and care for people will change. But when we look at that and we believe it gives direction, it, it gives correction, but it also gives us inspiration. We can take a look at what scripture does and know that the word of God refers to all of God's spoken revelation, including what came through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a recorded item, the scriptures, that give us direction in our life. Because see, I believe God's word is powerful to do many things. One of them is to expose our sin, to make us aware that we are sin-filled people. We have broken God's rules. We have messed up in our life. We have made choices that were not God-honoring. But now let's just stop here and say, I, Chuck, I didn't come today to get screamed at and yelled at. I agree with you. But I do know this, that when I read scripture, I'm aware of my own sin. When I read through God's word, I'm, I'm aware of how, how, how short I am from God's perfection. I believe God's word is powerful to expose our sin. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said in chapter four, beginning of verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. This text gives us a, a specific picture of why, when, and where God gave us scripture. But the first thing we have to start with is God's word is alive. It is living. Listen, if God is alive and I believe he is, if God is breathing and living and I believe he is, then his word cannot be separated from him. It is alive and working as well. So when you take God's word and make it a part of your day and you let either the spoken word or the read word get inside of your soul, it is going to do something that's extraordinary live inside you. It will allow you to be able to not just make good decisions, but allow you to succeed wildly in whatever it is you're trying to achieve because you're letting God direct your life. But you know, a lot of times we treat scripture in such a way that we put it on a shelf like we do God, let it collect dust and we blow the dust off and bring it out and say, well, I just don't have time for this. But if it's living and it is alive, then we have to take the prophet Isaiah's word in Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight, where it says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Meaning it is as relevant or more relevant today than the day that God inspired men to pen those words. And when I look at that, I realize that God's word gives new life to people in need of Christ. When we're able to take scripture and walk through our need for Jesus, our need for his forgiveness, our need for him to give us direction, our need for us to follow him that we might have life in abundance here and life eternal in heaven, we find that God's word gives us new life for people in need of Christ. But watch this, maybe you've been a Christian for 30 or 40 or 50 years, God's word gives us renewed life for the people of his faith already. If you're already a follower of Jesus, I promise you there are seasons you've gone through dry times. You've gone through times where life was difficult. Just being a Christian does not mean we're going to avoid the challenges in life. If anything, we may raise the ante on it a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, God's word is what gets us through 
those seasons. I cannot imagine going through parenting six daughters without God's word giving some type of salve on a wounded wallet, a wounded soul, and a wounded mind. And some of you are saying, well, Chuck, it's like that with two. I know. But I can't imagine going through this life. Listen, King David wrote these words, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. I don't know about you, but man, there are times where my soul is just weary. It is exhausted. And you say, well, Chuck, you're a preacher. This, that shouldn't happen to you. Let me, I'm doing something wrong then. Because there are seasons where I think to myself, Lord, I need you to refresh this soul. I think one of the reasons we gather on Sunday morning is to literally let the Spirit of God refresh our soul to prepare us for another week to get out there and go do what he's called us to do. King David, who knew what it was like to be hunted down. King David, who was a man after God's own heart, but was also an adulterer and a liar. And I think about this, he was a murderer, and yet what he was able to say is, Lord, come restore my soul. How much more so do I need it? How much more so do you need that? When I think about what else the scripture says, especially in the book of Psalms in chapter 119, over and over, the psalmist says words like this, my soul cleaves to the dust, relieve me, revive me according to your word. This is my comfort and my affliction that your word has revived me. It is the thought that there are times when the Lord wants to take a defibrillator and hit my chest that I might breathe again, that, I, that my heart might beat again, that it might beat for him, with him, and because of him. And when I see that, I recognize that it only makes sense that since he is a living God, his spoken word is living as well. So when we get into his word, when we allow his word into our life, when we do this on a regular basis, inevitably what we find is God begins to make a change in our life, not because of the book, but because of the author of the book. You see, we often think I've got to read the Bible as I read a book. And so I, I put a check mark next to it. I treat the Bible like some type of textbook. I have to do this and I've got to pass the test. Let me just stop and say, most of us do not have an hour to read scripture every day. Most of us couldn't do that anyway. The minute that I start reading scripture, I'll promise you, if I don't focus extraordinarily well, it is just like this, squirrel, and gone. I mean, don't you do that really? I mean, don't, aren't there times in your life where you're just saying, okay, this morning I'm gonna pray, and it's like 12 seconds into your prayer, it's like, Nyang. It happens, right? So what if you were to actually commit to say, over the next 21 days, I'm going to commit, I'm gonna to listen to that five day a week podcast so that scripture can kind of saturate my soul. I'm going to jump into the daily aha where I can read through a piece of scripture, understand a piece of scripture, and know what it meant to me. You say, well, Chuck, what's the big deal and why would you put those kind of resources toward it? Are you ready? Because I believe with all my heart, if you will choose to let scripture get into your life, it will blow your mind over the next 21 days what the spirit of God wants to do inside of you with his word. But most of us say, well, I can do that. And we go for like a day, a day and a half. And because it's not in our regular routine, we just kind of set it aside. And at some point we think, man, I ought to read God's scripture. I ought to listen to that podcast. I ought to jump in to that daily ha aha on the app. But you know what? I'm just, I'm swallowed up in busyness. Here's the great news. Taking scripture and putting it into your life is a lot like Abraham Lincoln when he said, if you and I are going to have a challenge as to who's going to chop the most wood, you're going to go start swinging. I'm going to spend 20 minutes sharpening my ax and I'm going to win every time. 
You see, most of us, we say we're too busy, but the fact is we need to sharpen the ax. And what better place to get there than in the word of God to take the living word of God and let it saturate our soul and sharpen our soul. Prepare us that we might be ready to go in the depths of my heart. If you'll commit even five minutes in reading and listening to the holy word of God, your life will radically change. But now I get it. Listen, you might be saying, no, Chuck, I don't get, I, I, not for me. But listen to me, it's gonna change not because of the book itself, but because of the author of the divinely inspired word. God himself wants to enter into your life and allow the very nature of your life to take on his likeness. God's word gives new life to people in need of Christ. God's word gives renewed life to people of faith and God's word is always active. We get the word energy from the Greek word translated active. It means that the word is effectual. It accomplishes what God intends for it to do. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 55, beginning in verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, be which goes forth out of my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I have to claim that all the time because I have to realize God's word is going to accomplish the purpose for which he sent that word. So in my life, knowing that God is intricately involved in every detail of your life and my life, he has sent his word that when we devour it like a hungry person, it will naturally change our DNA. God cannot wait for us to pick up his word and hear from him. You say, well, Chuck, I have never heard from God. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever 21 days straight committed your life to read the word of God? Well, Chuck, I just want to hear from God. Okay, then stop being lazy in your spiritual life and get in the word of God. Chuck, I don't have time to get in the word of God. Yes, you do. Come on, five minutes. You know, but Chuck, I got to get up and I got to get going. Good, listen to it in the car. Well, Chuck, I don't, have one of those, I don't have one of those connections to the car. Buy one. I mean, what in the world? I hear people tell me that junk all the time. You know, Chuck, for you, you get paid to do this stuff. What? I mean, come on. Have you not figured out yet that everything that is said from this place is not about what I studied to prepare, but an overflow that God's already poured into my heart? Don't you want that overflow to pour out in your office, on the job site? Don't you want it in your realtor's office? Don't you want it in your law office? Don't you want it in the car showroom? Don't you want that overflow of all that God is to infiltrate every part of your life? And if you do, you gotta make an effort. So why not just five minutes, five minutes. You can do the daily aha in four minutes. You can listen to that podcast five minutes because it is active. You know what I've discovered? When I'm around somebody who has committed their time to spend time in God's word day after day, you know what I see? Good fruit in the path they follow. Show me somebody that leaves rotten, stinking fruit on their path, and I'll guarantee you they haven't been in God's word. People show up in my office all the time. What do I do, Chuck? I'm, what do I do? You know, and I, I try, you know, I have no mercy. None. It's so bad, I don't want any. And sometimes I look at folks and I'll just say, bless your heart, you're just stupid. 
you came to my office because you're stupid. Well, then they look at you like, well, I think you're stupid. At least they got something right. But can I just say to you, I rarely find somebody whose life is falling apart that is spending time day after day after day in scripture because of how alive it is, it changes our very nature. My friend, listen, sin heals most completely where it wounds most deeply and gives life there only where first it is killed. Where do we face that? Where do we find that? Where do I get to where that healing takes place? Inside the word of God, treasure God's word above all human counsel. Read, study, and meditate on God's word. Always study it with a view to obedience. That's why we make such a big deal about getting in a group. Yes, it's great to have friends. Yes, it's great to have people know who you are. Yes, it's great to know everybody by name. But it is even greater when the word of God comes alive with others around us in a small group. And our heart and our DNA and our soul is naturally changed. But watch this. If you're going to commit to God's word, you're also going to discover that if the Bible is a big deal, Jesus himself is the biggest deal. We've sat around here for six years. If you get Jesus in the right priority of your life, you will make every other decision right. Now you might say, well, Chuck, I know people that are Christians and they haven't made a good decision in 12 years. Well, now watch this. Are you ready? You have to make the choice. When you ask Christ into your life, he is always faithful to answer. When you say, Lord, forgive me my sin, come and live in my life. I want to make a U-turn in my life. I want to live for you and not me. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. And you make a commitment to come in and clean me up. Watch this though. Every day, the reason he grants you new mercies every day is every day you determine at what priority level are you going to place the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you gave your life to him, he gave you the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the spirit alive and well in combination with the word of God being alive and well in your soul is saying, put Jesus at the top of your, of your priorities. You say, well, Chuck, I got to work on my marriage right now. Then you better put Jesus at the top or you have no hope. You say, well, Chuck, I'm fighting an addiction now. Well, then you put Jesus on top or you have no hope. I got to find a job, put Jesus on top or you have no hope. But I believe with all my life that when we get Jesus in the right priority in our life, we will make every other decision well. That's why I don't think we ought to scream at people about what they do wrong. We haven't got the Jesus part right. We get the Jesus part right. We don't have to fight with the rest of the world. We don't have to protest with the rest of the world. We don't have to hold up signs and scream at people. Listen, when you look at Charlottesville, you could say, listen, it's a government problem. You could say it's a race problem. You can say it's a civil war problem. You can throw out all that junk, but listen to me. Charlottesville is a matter of selfishness and sinfulness. You get Jesus in the right priority. You don't care if they're black, green. You don't care if they're Robert E. Lee. You don't care. You know why? You got Jesus at the top of the list. But there has to come a time that you choose that. Listen to what 1 John 4, 9 says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might even live through him, through Christ. God the Father looked at his creation, saddened by our inability to follow him, saddened by how his kids had fallen apart from his rules and his way. And so he sent his own son, Jesus. And in John 3.16, we know that story, but John 3.17 brings it home really well. Listen, for this is how God loved you. 
This is how God loved your family. This is how God loves your neighbor. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that they, everyone, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And so you know when we put Christ at the, at the top of our priority list, this is why Christ came. This is why he gave us the gift of his spirit that we might have an opportunity to know if we're looking for hope, it's found in Jesus. If you're looking for peace, it's found in Jesus. If you're looking for forgiveness, it's found in Jesus. If you're looking for joy, it's found in Jesus. If you're looking for heaven, it's found in Jesus. If you need just one more thought as to why Jesus is the biggest deal, listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the totality of love. He is the totality of eternal life. He is the totality of overcoming bitterness to forgiveness, illness to healing, despair to hope, death to life, and the hope of glory. He is, my friend, the biggest deal. That's why it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, a Catholic. I don't care what you call yourself. At the end of the day, Jesus is either enough or he's not because I'll promise you he is not in the details of denominational world he is in the details of your heart and this is where we find Christ at work in Colossians 3:15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and watch this and to be thankful it's why a part of that daily aha says what are you grateful for today. The Bible is a big deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. But watch this. If you're letting scripture take hold of your heart, if you're letting Christ be at the top priority of your life, there is one thing that you can see from everybody that allows that to happen in their life. And it is we choose to serve people in need. Jesus said, and he was clear about this, the greatest among you must be a servant. God's grace extended from his hand to ours and from his heart to others. You see, you show me somebody who empties himself of selfishness and sinfulness, allows themselves to be filled up with grace and mercy, that allows Jesus, the Lord, to take over our life, to be able to make the greatest difference in our life. I'll show you somebody who's serving other people. You say, well, Chuck, I know folks who serve other people and here's how they act. Are you ready? When you get Jesus in the right priority and you get the scriptures in you, you don't have to measure yourself by anybody else except God's standard. You see, we totally miss the entire heart of serving when it is about some political expediency or when it is about some badge we might earn or somebody might clap for us or somebody might be in awe of us. We serve well when we serve because scripture has saturated our life. Jesus is in the highest priority of our life. He's in control of our heart. And when that happens, our hands are gonna follow the heart. Listen, friend, if you're striving for a life filled with purpose, looking for a life filled with hope and joy and peace, look no further than letting the Bible become a big deal in your life. Look no further than letting Jesus be the biggest deal in your life. Look no further than serving people because this is what God has called us to do. James is so clear. Faith and works are hand and glove. So what is the result of the Bible being a big deal and Jesus being the biggest deal in our lives? Hand in glove, faith, 
and service. But now James also makes it clear that our service is always a matter of the heart. How we give is a matter of the heart. How we read scripture is a matter of the heart. How we serve in Christ's name is all a matter of the heart. Listen to what Hebrews 6.10 says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Matthew 23.11 says the greatest among you must be a servant. My friend, listen, if you're asking and waiting and cannot wait for God to do something extraordinary in your life, then let me write a prescription for you today. Get in the word of God. Get in that daily aha. Give the Lord five minutes to work through a piece of scripture. Listen five minutes to the word of God on the treadmill, on a walk, on your drive in, whatever that may be. Choose to put Jesus in the highest degree of priority by asking the Lord to put people in your path that he wants you to serve. Sometimes it's just a casual, I hope you have a great day. Sometimes it's when somebody says, how are you? Your answer is better than, okay. But when we get scripture to be a big deal and we get Jesus to be the biggest deal, I promise you, you're going to serve people. I can't imagine why you wouldn't walk over to that Operation Christmas Child table and grab five or six of those boxes with the instructions to know how to fill those boxes up and have those sent out to the most difficult places in the world. Why you wouldn't show up and share an email address with a care portal to be a part of serving people in our community. Why you wouldn't want to contribute to packing backpacks to serve 11 schools in our community. I can't imagine not choosing to be in a group so that I can put scripture into my life and allow Jesus to come alive in me that I might serve because I simply love people. I just can't imagine it. This is why The way of Jesus is always through scripture. What did Jesus say when he was tempted most? He said, as the scriptures say, tempted a second time, as the scriptures say, tempted a third time, as the scriptures say. My friend, listen, when trials hit you and troubles come your way, are you able to say, as the scriptures say? Listen, I don't want to give you badges for memorizing verses. I want you to invite the word of God to come alive in your life. And when that happens, you come alive and it makes it simple to put Jesus at the top of the heap and serve people. So let's don't miss it. Let's don't give up on it. Let's be as part of something that's bigger and brighter than we could ever imagine. I believe the Lord is calling us to be a people in the word of God. I know he's calling us to put his son, the Lord Jesus, at the top of our priorities. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's called us to serve people in need right here in our community. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, there might be people here today would say, Chuck, I I can't put Jesus at the top of my priority. I don't know how to do that. Then, Lord, would you give them the courage to just pray this prayer with me just silently in their heart right now? Jesus, please forgive me. I've made some poor decisions. I want, to learn, I, want to, I want to live for you, not just me. I want to turn my life around. I thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead as payment for my sin. Come into my life and give me a new totality. I want to put you at the top of my life. And that's the prayer of your life today. I promise you, you're as sure for heaven as if you were already there. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years. And you're saying, Chuck, I I haven't served Jesus that way in 15, 20 years. And 
then this is your day. Excuse the pun, but to have a total, complete eclipse of the heart. Lord Jesus, thank you. We are grateful your word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. God, would you draw men and women, students, children into your lap and welcome them as your child as you promised. Cause us to serve. God, I pray those 1,200 boxes will reach children in difficult places in the world, in the Middle East and around the world that they might have hope to believe that Jesus does love them. God, I pray we'd have hundreds and hundreds of people sign up for this care portal so that we might serve this community even more. That we have folks bringing food for these backpacks and serving in all the different ways. Lord, this is, this is what you've called us to. So Lord, do what only you can do in this time and draw us closer to you so we might want to spend the time with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen.